So we're going to go to Revelation 1, chapter 1, verse 3. And it's funny, it starts out with the word blessed. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Father, thank you that um, though these things can become uh, a tool, uh, certainly, Father, failure of these things can cause um, hiccups and hindrances, but I'm thankful, Father, that nothing can keep your word from working in our, in our hearts. And whether the equipment works or not, Father, I pray that the message that you have prepared for us this morning can be spoken, heard, and kept. You want to make us happy, and we just heard, Father, how we are, we are blessed if we read we hear and keep. So, Father, I pray that your spirit will lead us and empower us to do that this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. So this morning we're going to be looking at the last uh, message on the series on Jesus' own prophecy and is entitled The Revelations Seven Blessings. And we sometimes think of blessings, like I said, in a, such a weak way that um, God bless you. But we don't really know what we're saying. Sometimes we think it means hope you get better, um, hope you don't get sick, hope you don't get me sick. But when we actually are saying God bless you, we're asking God's happiness upon us. Um, I don't want to forget to keep reminding us that this Tuesday we have the Focus on Prophecy. Um, I think most of us have already attended <clears throat> this series and just want to encourage you to pray for those that are coming. And your presence there matters. And it's been nice to have to rearrange pretty much every table in our fellowship hall to make us fit. I'm happy for that problem. Um, we have a document that was forged uh, in 1776 that says, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bo um, bands which have, sorry, the font is really small, <laughs> have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal stations to which the laws of nature and, and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect for the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which compel them to the separation. This is a fancy way of telling Britain, this is why they don't want to be with you no more. Our forefathers began to craft in a very judicious, gentle way, a document that would say, we are no longer part of Britain. We don't want nothing to do with you. And this is the reason why. This is the, the causes, the, the reasons as to why. Because we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and what is that last inalienable right that everybody has? The pursuit of happiness. And those began an experiment that to this day has become one of the most unique uh, historical experiences. The most powerful nation uh, in the world was birthed in weakness, separating from what was then one of the biggest or the biggest, biggest empire, colonizing every corner of the planet, Britain, 
Um, Portugal and Spain tried to compete, but Britain just had enormous, well-crafted ships and an army that was just unsurmountable. And so Britain was laughing at the idea that we could shake them off, but we did. But we did it not simply because we didn't want to speak with a British accent anymore, but because we wanted freedoms to pursue three things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The challenge with the pursuit of happiness is, <clears throat> where do you go to get it, right? <clears throat> if you need um, certain things, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Costco, you need food, you need this, you need that, trash bags. You know where we can go, but where do you go to get happiness? Because our country is still pursuing it. And I don't know how many Americans find it pursuing it their own ways. I found this on the internet, and here it is. This is the secret to be happy. Can you see it? The secret to find eternal happiness is at the last line. Can you see it? Put your glasses on. See if you can see it then. Can you see it? No one can. <laughs> Even the optometrist cannot read it um, because we don't know, really. Our country has pursued many ways through capitalism. We've thought that money and power and authority, but Britain failed at, at happiness. Um, Britain is nothing now compared to what it used to be, so is Portugal. I mean, who fears Portugal now? And yet you have parts of Africa that speak uh, Portuguese. You have Brazil that speaks Portuguese, the largest country in South America. Vestiges of what Portugal used to be. Where does happiness come from? And have we discovered it? discover the, the source of it, where to pursue it. As I said in the children's story, to be blessed equals to be happy. It's this, the Greek word that you will find in all the lexicons that the simple translation is happy. The, the reason we translate it as blessed now is because when the word was translated as blessed, that's what blessed meant in the English vernacular. But today we, we mean blessed as some mystical sprinkling of goodness from God or from heaven. But the actual force behind this word is happiness. And happiness is such an elusive experience um, that many just die thinking that it's almost there, almost there, like a mirage. Well, the book of Revelation doesn't waste time telling us, because as Joyce read, the, the word, the book of Revelation that the actual letters begin with is the word blessed, happiness. The book of Revelation has that this desire of God for us to experience happiness all throughout the book of Revelation. You have, we've looked at the four sevens already in the book of Revelation. There's actually five. The four sevens um, circle around this, the seven churches, which entail Jesus' complete knowledge and involvement in the believer's spiritual journey. That's what the seven churches teach. The seven seals show us that Jesus' complete redemption of human history from beginning to its climactic end. The seals reveal Jesus wins. Like Joyce said, we know how the story ends. The seven trumpets reveal Jesus' complete provision for repentance, forgiveness, and eternal salvation for those who accept it. As we looked at last, that's the, that last Sabbath. And then the seven bowls of wrath. Jesus' complete justice and vindication over evil and sin. So these sevens in the book of Revelation are beautiful, beautifully structured, and they center upon teaching us uh, beautiful truths about God, how God has made ample provision 
for fulfilling our greatest needs, the redemption of sin. But you also have seven blessings throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, Jesus' complete provision for humanity's present and eternal happiness. The gospel doesn't just say, you will be happy in heaven. You will be happy in the new earth. Jesus offers happiness to us today. You want to be happy in Jesus? You want to experience to be blessed by, by God? Well, the book of Revelation, just like it shows the completeness of God in saving us, leading us to repentance, and vindicating sin and evil, the book of Revelation also shows the complete package in which God offers humanity, uh, every single human being. But this happiness is not magical sprinkle dust that God sends from heaven. The seven blessings are not automatic. They involve active participation in their outworking, but we don't earn the happiness. We just cooperate in the reception of it. They are divine promises in keeping with a response to the pathway to experience them, meaning these, these um, path of blessedness, of happiness, there, there is a pathway that you have to choose to step into to experience in order for you to receive the blessing of happiness from the Lord. And the first one, Joyce began, uh, got us off to a good start, is found in Revelation 1.3. This is the first of seven blessings found in the book of Revelation. Uh, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The actual reading of the book of Revelation shows the vital choice of accepting and engaging God's revelation as a personal moral guide. If you're going to read the book of Revelation, it's because something has happened in your heart. You are beginning to realize, I, I don't know how to be happy. I thought I was going to be happy getting married. I thought I was going to be happy getting a divorce. I thought I was going to be happy with pleasures. I thought I was going to be happy with retirement. I thought I was going to be happy with whatever, right? You dot, 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 dot. A new house, an upgraded this. I thought I was going to be happy healthy. Are healthy people happy by default because they're healthy? No. No. I know of an individual that's a personal trainer, fit guy, big muscles, trim, um, not happy, not happy. Always comparing himself with other trainers, they're still getting successful, they're getting contracts with uh, nutritional supplement companies that are paying him some big bucks, but no one's noticing him, he's not happy. So all the things that we think society convinces us, beauty will make you happy. If you stay young, you'll be happy. Those are lies, those are lies. So the book of Revelation, if you're going to read it, is because you are already starting to turn from these things, looking elsewhere. And so in the reading of the book of Revelation, it's an act of faith. You are now pursuing here. You are now giving God an opportunity to bless you because there's a blessing in simply reading the book, but not perusing it, but actually reading it, seeking for something. The hearing implies the active desire to apply God's revealed truths to all the areas of our lives. Jesus would give parables, and at the end of the parables, he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's the same phrase that's found at the end of each of the seven churches. The Spirit speaks to the churches. 
So he who has ears to hear. Jesus is not saying, can anyone, does anyone, does anyone here have two cartilages with skin around their, the size of their heads, with a little tube, with a cochlea, and an auditory nerve hooked up to the brain? That's not what Jesus is asking. Jesus is not asking, do you have a functional biological ear? The, 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 the hearing speaks about the attitude of the heart. Are you hearing with a predisposition to follow? Are you hearing with a willingness to say, what God asks me to do, I will do it before he tells you? Because that attitude implies that you, have beginning to, you are beginning to get glimpses of the one speaking to you. You know, when, when I, I speak to my daughters, <clears throat> excuse me, when I speak to my daughters, because of the relationship that we have, even in the midst of a tantrum with Anaya, when she's sleep deprived and she's, she's just upset at her sister for whatever reason, when I calmly tell her, Anaya, escucha a papa. Anaya, listen to daddy. And I'll say that phrase two or three times in a calm voice. She calms down and begins to listen. She doesn't know what I'm going to say to, say to her, but she knows who's speaking to her. In the book of Revelation, you'll begin to, through the Holy Spirit, begin to recognize that the one who's speaking to you is your Savior, is your friend, is your Redeemer. So there will be a, now a desire to say, Lord, I'm recognizing that this is a revelation of you for me. And as, I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a Bible whiz. You just have to be able to look back at your life and ask yourself this question, has God been good to me? Has God been merciful to me? When you begin to recognize that much of the heartache that comes to our lives is due to our own poor decisions, our own departure from what we need to be right, and you look back, you see that what Psalms 103 says is so true. He has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. He has not rewarded us according to our sins. Is not that the truth? I look at my life. I should have died a long time ago. Lamentations 3.23 says that we are not consumed because of the Lord's compassions. His mercies are new every morning. So as you look back at your life, there's your evidence as to who's talking to you through the book of Revelation. Are you willing to hear? Are you willing to hear what he has to say? And of course, keeping points to a lifelong commitment to press on towards the mark. There's a blessing in reading the book. There's a blessing in hearing the book. And the blessing is complete when you choose to keep it for the long term. Jesus', Jesus on prophecy has ended, but our journey through that book should not end. Amen? And if you're going to be reading the book of Revelation from the seminar, we learned that if you're going to try to understand the book of Revelation, what other parts of the Bible must you also engage? The Old Testament and the New Testament. So the, all books of the Bible converge, conclude in the book of Revelation. That's why if you engage the book of Revelation, which is a book that is often painfully neglected, because people are intimidated by its imagery, are intimidated by what, what does it say? What we learned from the seminar, we're hearing it again today. There is a blessing for those that choose to read the book of Revelation. Because it will challenge you, and it will grow you, and it will present to you the path to happiness. The second time this word appears is in Revelation 14, 13. It says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Not just any dead. But blessed are those that die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, 
that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. You know, we don't sometimes appreciate that we have the, the entire Bible already in our hands. Because there was a time when not all of these books existed. There was a time when individuals didn't have the book of Revelation. People like Daniel. We're going to see in a little bit what I mean by that. There has been an increase in human ability to understand God's revelation of himself through the plan of salvation. What has been revealed of old is now, in the last days, most fully understood and is still getting better. The Protestant Reformation is not over, as we heard in the seminar. What a privilege and honor to be alive during the time of the preaching of the three angels' message. We have no, no clue that we have the complete revelation of God's plan. We know how the story ends. People in the past weren't sure. People in the Old Testament, listen. If God creates beings with freedom of choice, then God himself has freedom of choice as well, right? God could have said from the flood, realizing, you know what? This, this was just a bad decision. Let's just flush the entire thing and start fresh. Could God have done that? Of course he could have. The universe would have seen already this is the fruits of, of Lucifer's doing. But God didn't. God stuck with us. John chapter 1 has some of the most painful passages in the Bible. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But he came anyways, and he stuck with us. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among individuals that misunderstood him, did not love him, were not committed to him. Everybody just used Jesus for what they could get out of him. But God knew that through, this is the only way for him to be known. So he committed to this. But before Jesus came in the Old Testament, everything was a hope. Everything was, God has promised, let's hope he keeps it because we haven't been doing too good. Actually, we deserve for him to walk away from us. For 400 years, humanity held their breath until one day a baby's heard crying. It's Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus stuck with us. Well, Lucifer whispered in the Garden of Gethsemane, your disciples are asleep. They don't care about you. Your own leaders who have the Torah are rejecting you. They're the ones behind your betrayal and crucifixion. Are you sure you want to do this for them? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. We are post the cross. We know Jesus has fulfilled the promises of God. And Jesus tells us in John 14, if I'm willing to fulfill that painful experience of the cross, will I not be willing to fulfill the second coming to take you with me forever? So we know how the story ends because Jesus has come and has died on the cross. He has fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. We are truly living in privileged times. The problem is that we have the same apathy sometimes to these things that the people did when Jesus came the first. I'll tell you about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, he is told these words. But you, Daniel, shut up the words. Seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. That's not speaking about iPhones, my friends. That's speaking about knowledge of the Word of God. It was still mysterious for them. What is God going to do? How are these things going to be played out? Who is this little horn? And who is this Messiah? Who is this son of man that receives the kingdom and gives it to the saints? What are all of these things meaning? We, 
Daniel didn't know because what Daniel wrote himself, Daniel himself did not fully understand. But we do. We have the opportunity to understand what Daniel did not. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until our times. This Jesus and prophecy, Daniel would have been here every night going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I was wondering how things were going to play out. We are privileged that we have the complete revelation of everything God is seeing, wanting to do and will do and has done to save every single one of us. We have no reason to doubt his promises. We are blessed because we, have, we are now in a time where we can die in the full knowledge of God's heart. For as surely I say to you, this is Matthew 13, 17, saying to his disciples back then, For as surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Were the disciples privileged to have Jesus amongst them? Man, brothers, sometimes I read about the, you know, the sermon on Matthew in Luke 24 that caused the disciples' heart to burn. I would love to get a copy of that sermon. I will love so that I, my heart can burn even hotter for the Lord. But Jesus back then, 2,000 years ago, could tell his disciples, there are prophets that did not get to see or hear what you're hearing, and you're not appreciative of the great privilege that you have. But those that are awakened to that reality, the disciples did awaken to that reality after Pentecost, and they regret it, not having taken advantage, more advantage of having Jesus with them. And we don't have to live with that regret we have the book of Revelation in hand. We have its pages before us. What are we going to do with it? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to experience happiness? Invest time in the book of Revelation. Because it will lead you to live a life in the Lord. 1 Peter 1.12 says, To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through, the, through those who have preached the gospel, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which, not just humans, but who else? Angels desire to look into. Listen, angels are bright and excel in power, but they, they too could not figure out what was God going to do. At Gethsemane, one angel came to strengthen, was sent from God the Father to strengthen Jesus to drink the cup that his father was giving him. But they were just being obedient by faith. They did not understand everything that what God was doing entailed. But at the cross, the angels got to see the final revelation of who God is, who Jesus is. But history, human history has still progressed. There were still things to be revealed about Satan and the accusations he made against God. And, and if we find some, some, ourselves sometimes reading through the Old Testament and even the New and wondering what does this all mean, we're in good company because for centuries the angels also did not know what was happening. They were eagerly looking, attentively paying attention what is God doing to save the human race? And if angels have that interest, certainly humans, us the recipients of this blessing, shouldn't we be interested in as well? Shouldn't this dominate our, our values and priorities? No one can die in the Lord. And one can only die in the Lord because one has lived in the Lord. There is a blessing in faithful service. There is a blessing in personal witness. This is what is meant to live and die in the Lord. 
This makes for a life that is blessed because it has mattered. It has been well lived. You want to die in the Lord? You have to choose to live in the Lord. Amen? And that's what the book of Revelation leads us to. It leads us to Jesus, not just to an intellectual revelation of him, but experiential. You begin to see that Jesus' relationship with you is intimate and personal. He speaks to our situations. The third blessing is found in Revelation 16, 15. It says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. The book of Revelation keeps us spiritually awake and alert by guarding our own spiritual commitment to Christ, attentive to character and inner life by keeping faith in a good conscience. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't converted to truly fully until I began to share the gospel with others. It is in giving it away that you get to keep it, like we heard in the seminars during the, the Jesus and Prophecy seminars. And I didn't realize how much, how quickly sin could enter into my inner world. You know, if we're truthful to each other, with each other, we have a lot of conversations with ourselves in our heads. You know, and it doesn't make you crazy. doesn't mean you have, you know, to see a therapist. It's just normal. We have a lot of self-dialogue within ourselves. But sometimes we don't hear what we're saying to ourselves. We don't recognize the imagery that we are allowing inside our heads. The book of Revelation heightens your awareness that if you're harboring resentment, if all you can think about is secular pursuits, if your, your mind gravitates towards the earthly, way more often than you realize, the book of Revelation will begin to reveal to you, to your own inner, inner experience, your own inner life. You know, when I first got married to my wife, I thought I loved her enough to pay attention to what she was saying to me until she caught me. She caught me several times in which she was talking to me and I was looking at her in the eyes, but my brain was somewhere else. I was already thinking about, I hope this conversation doesn't go into my gym time because I have to go to the gym. Come on, honey, get to the point. What, what are we go, where are we going with this? Because I have to study for an exam. I'm still in nursing school. I hope she doesn't forget that I'm still in nursing school, right? I need time to study. And my wife knew because my eyes began to move. That's what we do when we think, right? We start going like, like this. Ariel, Ariel, what, honey? I'm listening to you. What did I just say? Brain, rewind. There's no tape. <laughs> There's no CD. You were off to La La Land, and your wife caught you. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, the book of Revelation catches you when we walked into La La Land in church, when we are in our own personal prayers and our brains cannot stop thinking about work. Have you ever had that happen to you? You cannot stop thinking about whatever else it is you're pursuing. Something as trivial as, I wonder if this one's going to go on sale on Black Friday. Should I buy it now or should I wait? And you can't get those things out of your brain. The book of Revelation begins to heighten your awareness of how easily and quickly we lose connection with the Lord, even while we're trying to pray to Him. And like the disciples, we fall asleep all too quickly. All too quickly. 
Jesus says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, implying we can lose it, implying carelessness, carelessness in spiritual things, thinking that, oh, I'll, I'll be more committed afterwards. I'll be more committed after this phase in my life. God will understand. God understands that you can lose his righteousness because you can lose your connection with him. And the reason my wife would get after me about these moments of la-la landness when she's trying to communicate and open her heart is because, ideal, these little moments accumulate, she would tell me. Ideal, these little moments accumulate, and when you, before you know it, there's going to be separation, and you'll develop the bad habit of thinking and convincing yourself you're listening to me when you're really not. And I don't want to have that kind of marriage. Praise God. I'm glad my, my wife fought for, my marriage, for, for our marriage from day one. I was clueless. I'm like, honey, of course, I'll listen to you. Once I'm done with nursing school, honey, you'll have all my undivided attention. Yeah. Only I could believe that lie. And only you can believe that lie if you think that the only time you give to Jesus is on Saturday mornings, and that's it. And that somehow you'll get to keep your garments. Somehow you'll, keep, you'll get to keep your connection with the Lord. You see, eye connection with my wife is the equivalent of eye connection with the Word. Blessed is he who reads, but also blessed is he who does what? Hears. How can you see and hear and keep what you're not paying attention to? That when you're here, you're somewhere else. You're rushing. You're rushing. I find myself so frustrated that we are in a society of the quick, the fast, the short, the brief. If I post something on social media that's more than a paragraph, people skip it. They may like it, but they'll skip it. Don't give me so much to read. Just get to the point because I have something else to do. I'm going to swipe. If you take too long to say what you're going to say, I'm going to swipe. And that carries over to church. We, the, the next generation, our children who are growing up being raised by these gadgets... There's empirical scientific data that shows that when you put these things in, your, in the hands of your children, the, the Association of Pediatrics in North America and the world has just upped the age to five years old. Children should have zero screen time till age five. This, these things are designed to trigger the reward center of the brain, which is the exact same process that happens with drug addicts, gamblers, and this generation is growing up in, in, in a brain that gets tired and fatigued so quickly. Pastor, a 40-minute 40, 40 sermon, sermon, are you kidding me? I'm used to movies that change scenes every 2.1 seconds or sooner. Contemplation, hearing, meditation. Blessed is he who guards, watches. Parents, grandparents, you are the filter for your children and grandchildren. Be faithful. Pray for wisdom. This world is already preparing their minds so that their minds will not be able to focus for more than 2.1 seconds. Jesus asked his disciples, watch and pray for me. You know for how long? One hour. Ask for that. For a 17-year-old. Ask that from an adult, and you'll see the struggle. And the book of Revelation confronts our inability to focus on spiritual things.
and it instills in us a desire to say, wow, Father, I didn't realize it was so easy. I didn't realize it was happening so often in my own personal inner world. Even while I'm sitting in church, the book of Revelation will make you happy because the book of Revelation will give you a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a relationship in which you're staring into his eyes, but your brain is somewhere else. I enjoy listening to my wife. I've discovered a beautiful person I married because I paid attention to her words. Because her words were the gateway that revealed to me her heart. And if you do not listen to Jesus, you cannot fall in love with him. Listen carefully. You will not love, fall in love with Jesus because of pretty pictures or pretty PowerPoints. You can only fall in love with Jesus when you pay attention to his words and you understand his heart because of the revelation that comes through his words. That's why God, when he sent his son, called him the word, the living word. That's what Jesus says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. If you had known me, you would have loved me, and you would have loved my Father. So this idea of revelation, just simply trying to scare the living daylights out of us, is not. Revelation is the pathway to being happy. Daniel began his journey when he was a young man, 17, late, seven, late teens, early 20s. But I didn't realize the timetable of the revelation of the book of Daniel. He wasn't getting revelations every other day. Sometimes years or decades would go by. And Daniel, in his 80s or 90s, who was still holding a high office in a pagan empire, when given the choice of my prayer time, my personal devotions, or dying in the lion's den, he chose prayer. And we often sacrifice prayer for much lesser things. The commute, Lord, you understand, right? You know how long it takes for me to get to work, Lord? We'll talk later. Father, I'm just too tired. Father this, Father that. Daniel had no excuses because he knew the only way that I'm able to keep my faith, the only way that I'm able to sustain my relationship with the living God is by connecting with him, not just once in the morning, but three times during the day. And when given the choice, gave up prayer for 30 days or end up in the lion's den, he said, let the lions eat me. I will not stop praying. I will not stop praying. There's a book, Steps to Christ, that says that prayer is the breath of the soul. Satan will love to suffocate you. Satan will love to pollute your environment so that whatever you inhale actually hurts you or that you don't breathe at all. How's your prayer life? The book of Revelation will awaken us to our Laodicean condition, but not just leave us there. The book of Revelation will lead us back to the path of happiness. We'll confront our uncommitted, shallow ways. The, the fourth blessing comes from Revelation 19.9. It says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the, the true sayings of God. How many of you guys have ever been invited to a wedding before? How does it make you feel when you get an invitation? Wow, they've invited me. That means that they must like me or they want a gift, right? <laughs> Surely it is because they like you. Have you ever been invited to a wedding ceremony and you're like, oh man. Honey, I hope we have something going on that day. Please tell me there's something going on that day so we can have a legitimate reason to politely say Sorry. We would love to be there, but that's the day we do laundry. Sorry. Can't move that. Jesus says, blessed are those 
who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's an invitation. An invitation that reveals true values. This invitation to this wedding reveals that we hear the invitation personally. We believe the invitation includes you, which is all good news. Do you want to be at that marriage supper of that lamb? You should because you are that bride. <laughs> you want to stand up the groom. Hear the invitation personally. Believe the invitation includes you. Welcome the invitation. How often? Daily. There were weddings when my brother got married. And my younger brother got married before I do. Before I did. I still have his wedding invitation. I keep in my Bible the program from his wedding. It was the most special wedding that I've ever been to because I've shared an entire life with my younger brother. And his invitation was in the mirror where I would shave every day, brush my teeth every day because I wanted every day, not that I would forget, but just in case, right? And every time I would look at that, I would think, Father, you've been so good to my family. My little brother's getting married. He's got a career. He's been able to move forward. His story gives me encourage, encouragement that you will take care of me in, in your time. Father, thank you that this little wedding invitation right here reminds me of your faithfulness, how good you've been to our family. My younger brother's getting married. I'm going to have a sister-in-law, which means that pretty soon I'm going to be an uncle. Help! Praise God. Can't wait. So he was in my mirror. But there are wedding invitations that get tossed in the back of the car, get crumpled up with the coupons that we put from the mailbox, and then we look for that invitation and we go, I don't know where, yeah, I don't know. I guess we just don't go. The book of Revelation presents to us a revelation of my values. Prioritize this invitation above all. Accept the invitation, not by saying, I will be there, but by actually being there. That's when you finally accept an invitation. I've been invited to weddings, and they say, RSVP by this date, because you know we got prepared for meals. So I would send a little card, they had a postage right there, and I would put my, myself, if I was single, or myself and my wife, whatever, send it back, and. Have I accepted the invitation? No. All I've said is, I will be there. But because I've said that doesn't mean that I'm going to be there. You accept the invitation when you show up for the wedding. That's when you accept the invitation. And if you're going to be there that day on the wedding, it's because every day you've been telling yourself, I'm going to be there. 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 And I'm going to prioritize my life so that I can be there. It's interesting that this parable is an echo, like we said, from the New Testament. So we have to study the New Testament. Matthew 22, 1 through 14, and Luke 14, 16 through 24, both speaks of a very wealthy individual setting up a banquet, a wedding, and sending out invitations. But here are the responses to the invitations. I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I asked you to have me excused. I have married a wife, and therefore, I cannot come. What's wrong with that first excuse? How can we tell that it's a lame excuse? How can we tell that this person is actually saying to this king, this kind, generous, benevolent king, I don't want to be there. 
Can you see it? How many of you guys ever bought a house? How many of you have ever bought a house without ever looking at it? Because this is what that person just said. I just bought a piece of land and now I have to go and do what with it? How many of you guys have bought a car? Only one person, everybody else, you've stolen it? <laughs> a little car, carjacking church here. <laughs> you bought a car. How many of you have ever bought a car without test driving it, especially a used car? Have you ever bought a used car without test driving it? Yet this person had just purchased five oxen, and what is he going to do with them? Who does that? Who does that? Who buys land without looking at it? Who buys oxen without testing them out? These are falsities. These are excuses that are not just hurtful, but offensive. And the last one, I've just gotten married, therefore I can't come? You married someone that hates the king? You married someone that doesn't want to be in the presence of this king? You married someone that has divided your loyalties? So that now, instead of choosing this benevolent king, you're choosing this person? What's gonna keep you from accepting this invitation? Because Jesus told this parable in a gentle but forceful way. Not until we're there will we realize what have we been invited to. I'm, I'm really good friends with Pastor Caraballo, Willie Caraballo. He's a United Methodist pastor. And he was a good influence for me in my young, young years. And one day, we, we just hang out. We used to hang out. He had a Pontiac Fiero, which is a cool car for a pastor to have. He was single at that time. And so he had a two-seater Pontiac Fiero, red. It was zip around Harrisburg. And I was like, that's right. I'm rolling with the pastor. I got it going on like that. And he was well-known in the community. And he got invited one time to a wedding. And they said, Ariel, I'm going to a wedding. You want to come? And he was dressed pretty decent. And out of the blue, with Spanish people, we do that. You know, if you invite me, expect more people. <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm at a conversation with someone, oh, I have to go to, you want to come to the wedding? I'll share my plate with you. Don't worry about it. There'll be food. So he invited me to this wedding. And so I went to this wedding, dressed the way I was. Baggy jeans, big shirt, nice hair, right? Back then when I had it. So I go to this wedding, and for me, weddings were this like, you know, VFW rented hall with, you know, Fanta, unlimited, you know, scooping out. It's a little cake, very inner city poor, poor. You know, the grandma made the rice, the auntie made the beans, and someone else baked the cake, and you could tell it was decorated by someone that was just practicing. Those are the kind of weddings that I was used to. This was downtown Harrisburg in one of the most luxurious buildings downtown. When I walked in, there were chandeliers everywhere. And when I sat down, they asked me, would you like this or that? How much? <laughs> and Willie was like, brother, this is the reception. Eat up. Everything's been paid for. There's even dessert. Cheesecake and 
all these other things and I can get hors d'oeuvres. We never get appetizers. My dad was so cheap, we never got the appetizers. You get the food, you know, you're gonna fill your belly. I could get everything on the menu. Man, I picked out and the people were happy. I stood out. <laughs> people could tell I was uh, snuck in there. But that was the most amazing reception I've ever been to because it exceeded far above anything I had ever experienced before. You have no clue what this wedding reception is going to look like. You have no clue what it will be like to enjoy the glories of heaven for all eternity. We have no clue what it will be like to have the face of Christ him, himself, the creator of the universe, in our presence with all the saved, with all our loved ones. Those are the things that you need to put in the mirror in front of your house on a daily basis and remind yourself you have this invitation in Jesus. And the, the wedding reception that you've been invited to will exceed all your expectations, all of your earthly pursuits that right now are chewing away and corroding your spiritual life. You are allowing these things to flip upside down your values, your spiritual values. If we only could allow our imaginations to fathom what that day will be like, it will make everything look pale, lame, as it really is. The fifth, Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Here's the emphasis in the truth of reality of resurrection. There is life beyond the grave. Do you believe that, church? Amen. The certainty of a way of escape from the second death, expectation of God's new creation of life with no sin and death, no pain, no suffering. That, that is all that Jesus says is the blessing of experiencing the first resurrection. God will bring an end to evil. There will be a time for understanding, for reconciliation, and final closure. Whatever does not get healed now will get healed then. And whatever has been taken from us now will be restored a thousandfold then. The years that diseases have robbed us from enjoying our families. Right now I'm thinking of a, a couple. It's the son of a pastor that mentored me in Harrisburg. Son of Pastor Yves Monnier. About two years ago, his wife was just getting out of a car visiting a friend, and someone shot randomly. And bullets went through her door and hit her spine. The husband got a call. Daniel got a call, emergency to the hospital. And she's practically paralyzed from the waist down. Young couple. Young couple. They're choosing to love the Lord, to trust him. They're choosing to build the pieces of their marriage and make, make do with what life has happened down here. But all these years that this senseless, pointless act has done and affected them, Jesus will restore tenfold. Whatever sin has taken from you on earth will be restored to you then. That's the blessing. See, that gives you a happiness that is unconnected from anything down here. Therefore, God, therefore, Satan cannot take it from you. This happiness is sealed because it's sealed in Christ and his promises to fulfill them. The second, the sixth one, sorry. 
The sixth blessing comes from Revelation 22:7. Blessed, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is a, this is a recall to Revelation 1:3, whereas we were told, blessed is he who hears, blessed is he who um, reads. And the last one, blessed is he who keeps. But now the book of Revelation is ending. And really what matters is what has been kept. Doesn't matter how much you've read, doesn't matter how many sermons you've heard, is what you have kept that really matters in life. This is an echo of the very first blessing. Now, not the mere reading or hearing, but the keeping is what sustains faith in the long run, church. Your faith will not be sustained by the multiplicity of sermons you live, is by the, the keeping of the word of God in your life. Be faithful to Jesus today, and it will sustain your faith tomorrow. You will see his hand move upon your life in ways that only faithful obedience can. The three Hebrew boys experience what you and I will never experience this side of eternity. What it must feel like to have flames lick you and touch you and come in contact with you and not singe your eyelashes, eyelashes not singe your hair, not singe your clothing, and Watch as ropes burn around your hand and not char or hurt or not even leave the smell of smoke upon your body. That is the miracle of God working powerfully for those that are faithful to him, those that keep his words. In the end, when Jesus comes, those that not just have read, not just have heard, but those that have kept will experience fulfilled happiness. Nothing wrong with hearing our sermon, but if your life's not changing, brothers, change the channel. Actually, turn it off. Come here. The last one, Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who do his commandments, who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, I may enter through the gates into the city. The experience of the new covenant, God writing his law in my heart, begins with him washing my heart. Before God, God's not going to write in a whiteboard full of dirt. My, I told you my daughters have taken over my office and they doodled all over my whiteboard where I try to write my sermon ideas. And before I write anything in it, I'm a visual guy, I, I get distracted with stuff. And so I spray that whiteboard. I make it drippy. And then I let it soak and absorb that cleansing agent so that it will get into the pores of that whiteboard. And then I take Bounty and I'll wash it and then I'll spray it again and I'll do it about three times until it is bright as the day it came from the store. Then I write. Before God's write his law in your heart, he's going to cleanse it from the sins that are in there. And that is an ongoing promise that God seeks to have you experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you want Jesus to cleanse your heart today? Do you want Jesus to write his law in your hearts today? That is keeping. That is happiness. That is true happiness. It is accepting God's commitment to walk beside him daily, patiently, mercifully, faithfully, every step of the way. That is the commitment Jesus offers to us. These are the seven paths to happiness. Attentive to God's word. Live God's final message. Spiritual village vigilance. Accept God's invitation. Believe the hope set before us. Hold on to the prophetic vision and experience Christ's redemption. Not tomorrow, not in eternity, but when? Right now.
The book of Revelation has intertwined these seven blessings from Revelation chapter 1 all the way through Revelation chapter 22. Because Jesus doesn't want you to experience happiness in the hereafter. Jesus wants you to begin experiencing the fullness of happiness right now. The only reason heaven is happy is because Jesus is there. And sin no longer exists. And you can experience that same happiness because Jesus can wash the sins from your heart and replace it with the heart of Christ. Having Jesus. This is truly the path to experiencing happiness. Our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence may say that we have now the ability to pursue happiness, but no one knows where to go. Now we do. Now we do. Genesis 32, 26, as we close, says, Then Jacob said, Let me, the angel said to Jacob, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you do what? Bless me. Do you want God to bless you? Will you cling in your prayers? Will you fight for your prayer life? Will you discipline your mind to not wander off? Will you discipline and force your mind to focus? When you open the Word of God, will you pray for the Holy Spirit to give you that attentiveness and alertness that the Word of God deserves? Will you do that, church? This is what the book of Revelation provokes inside of us. Reject already the shallow ways in which we've been approaching God's Word. Resist the temptation to make prayers a repetitive act of boredom and monotony. I don't want prayers, my prayers to be monotonous. Do you want your prayers to be monotonous? Don't let them just be prayers of, I need this, give me that, I need this, give me that. Begin to exercise the prayers of praise and thanksgiving. You want peace in your heart? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, about anything, but in everything, present your request with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will protect your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We need to pray more prayers of gratitude. We need to study the Word of God with a hunger to know Him, to make eye contact with our Redeemer. Number 6, 24 through 26, is how God wanted Israel to hear every single day from the mouth of the priests. The Lord bless you, Monroe Church. The Lord bless you, our dear friends. The Lord bless you, Eric. The Lord bless you, Mark. The Lord bless you, Ruth Ann. The Lord bless you, Randy. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you. And may he give you peace. Amen. Father in heaven. We have taken a brief and rushed journey through the book of Revelation's blessings. And our hearts are stirred. We had no idea how much you care about our happiness. And we are looking for it in all the wrong places. Father, this morning we have read. And this morning we have heard. Father, through the power of your spirit, lead us to keep. Lead us to keep. In Jesus' name, amen.